I said, all right, we'll pray. I had my Spanish translator. I had prayed for her. And immediately within my mind, God is just like, you know, how are you trying to cast out demons when you yourself love these demons? This is Camus. And this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big miraculous ways all the way down to small everyday things. Hi, everybody. This is Camus, and welcome to this week's episode of God is Real, God is Good. This week, we have Kezia with her, us, and um, Kezia, we basically, so Kylie and I went to GYC Northwest in March, and we met Mike, and Mike is like, oh, hey, I would totally be willing to share my testimony, and I'm going to volunteer some people, and honestly, <laughs> those are my favorite people, because it's like, oh, yay, people I would never meet otherwise. And you're just going to give them to us. So cool. So that is how I know Kezia. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's yep. any... no need for an explanation. If you know, Mike, this will make complete sense. <laughs> if you don't, I'm sorry. You do not have the pleasure. <laughs> so Kezia, why don't you tell us where you're from? Yes. So I am from Brooklyn, New York, born and raised, and I'm currently in the Midwest. Awesome. That's cool. Yes, New York is a big, fun city. Lots of things there. Anyway, let's pray and then we'll get started. So, dear Father in heaven, thank you for this beautiful day. And thank you for Kezia and her willingness to share her story. Just be with her, give her the words to speak, and open our hearts and our minds to hear the story and to learn valuable lessons from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, Kezia, why don't you tell us about your religious background growing up? So, growing up, I grew up um, not necessarily having God as the center of of our household. Um, For my mom and dad, even though my mom, she grew up Adventist, she didn't necessarily raise me in a strict uh, Christian environment, per se. When it Mm -hmm. came to my dad, though... He was open to Christianity, but overall, it wasn't anything of a, you know, Sabbath keeping, we're going to church for sure, or we have to pray. Um, It was, we were fairly loose with uh, our understanding of God. Hmm. So it was kind of there, but not like a focus in your life. Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell us the story that you obviously have prepared for us? Sure. So being that I grew up in a two family household in New York, uh, my mom is Filipina and then my dad is Guyanese. So automatically there's a big contrast for me as a little kid, noticing Mm -hmm. that my mom, she looks absolutely nothing like me. Um, Asian hair is straight. Um, Sometimes joking around friends would tell me, oh, you know, you're adopted. So just having those jokes. And then my, my dad, who is from Guyana, um, Mm -hmm. you know, chocolate tone, kinky hair. So I resonated a lot more with him. So there was already a contrast of knowing that, okay, I don't really know where I fit in. So that played a lot into my self-esteem, how I Mm -hmm. felt. And within school now, there was a time when a a girl, this was about kindergarten or pre-K, a girl had touched me inappropriately. So -hmm. because I just thought this was a kind of a form of a a game, I just thought this was another form of play. I didn't think it was a big deal. I wasn't raised with the notion of like, you know, if someone touches you inappropriately, you should say something. 
Mm-hmm. So because that happened at such a young age, at around four or five, I didn't know that years down the line that this one act would then transpire into events years later where I was no longer able to control it. And mm-hmm. so with just having that happening um, over the years now, um, you know, I got into porn, you know, masturbation. I don't even know exactly how that started, but I know it was at a fairly young age. Um, and then even I had another second encounter with um, another group of girls. And for me, I'm just thinking, okay, when it comes to the notion of sex, it's okay for it to happen with girls. And Mm. even at home, I wasn't, like I had mentioned, God wasn't necessarily the center. So I was already just thinking, okay, sex happens. It's with girls and it's okay. So I was never really, I never really thought that there was any standard per se that we should be mindful of. Mm. Just not really raised with like those values or like awareness and like having those conversations with your parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like unfortunately kind of happens in Christian homes. We don't always have those conversations because we feel like they're awkward, but like it's important too, because you want your kids to understand what is right and what is wrong. And like, you know, when you're five, you don't know that someone's touching you inappropriately unless, you know, like your parents have been there telling you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the unfortunate part was just knowing that um, I know within my teenage years, so my parents had divorced when I was about 12. Mm. And during that time now, you know, my dad leaves. So the person who I was most closest to, he ends Mm. up leaving. Um, So now I'm with my mom. There was a a lot of anger taking place. I was just really frustrated with the situation. I bottled up a lot of my frustrations. I didn't really know where to go. And I remember there was a conversation my mom had where she said, uh, you know, just make sure you wear a condom. And I was just like, okay. (laughs) And so that was like my, my sex talk. Right. And um, I remember even like years down the line, when I spoke to my dad and I had told him uh, what happened Uh, He was just like, oh, your mom should have told you, you know, to wait till marriage. And he was just upset. And, you know, in my head at that time, I was like, but dad, you should have told me that too, like in regards to waiting. But, you know, unfortunately, um, that didn't necessarily happen until years later where I finally was open to having a relationship with God. Mm. Yeah. You know, at least it finally did come. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So we're at about the point in your life where you're about like 12 ish and you so see your parents have just divorced. You're into pornography and masturbation at this point. So where does your story go from there? So at that time, there was just a lot of detrimental things I was doing. Um, I know I was really big with suicidal thoughts at that time, mm-hmm. um, smoking, partying, drinking, Uh, just really anything to numb what I was experiencing at home. I remember some of my teachers, uh, they had told me that I should go for counseling (laughs) because I was just so angry. But at that Mm. time, I was just like, like, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's whatever. And I wasn't because, you know, there were several things that I had lacked growing up in regards to emotional management and especially when it comes to like stress outlets, you know, I wasn't 
taught about having healthy outlets when Mm. situations um, occur. So that just really put me in a place where I was just doing anything to numb what I was feeling. And over the years, I had realized that a lot of my, a lot of the things that I was taught over the years really came from my classmates. Um, I was going to school, I was going to a public school at that time. Um, Things I would just learn on the streets within Brooklyn at that time. So it wasn't anything that was really based upon, you know, the word of God. You know, my mom, even though she was Adventist, um, she did appreciate you know, like the basic things like pathfinders. So when my, when my parents had divorced, you know, I, around the time I I did get baptized and it was only just to appease some Bible workers, Um, Mm. you know, from time to time you have Bible workers that come to the door and we lived down the block from an Adventist church and they had came knocked on the door and eventually, you know, they had asked if I was interested in getting baptized and I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, but I didn't really understand the magnitude of that, you know, mm. you're a Bible worker, you don't understand. Right. So for me, I was just like, I, I was like, yeah, it's cool. Whatever, you know, Jesus. Yeah. But <laughs> I didn't really understand the personal relationship or understand the value of knowing who God is. I didn't mm-hmm. understand his character or, the the importance of having a relationship with him at that time so even though i did get baptized um for me god was really nothing at that time and you know from time to time my mom she did want me to go to pathfinders and even when i did go to pathfinders uh you know i would just go really for friends so it wasn't Mm. anything of like oh i'm gonna give my heart to god it was just more of like oh my friends are there okay just going for friends that's it and It was just a time where I was just really trying to try to figure out because it was just so much frustration and anger um, with my parents and really feeling like I didn't really fit in because because of my background being mixed at that time in Brooklyn, I wasn't really seeing a lot of um, interracial marriages at that time. And Mm -hmm. I realized that affected me a lot because I felt like I was never too, you know, Caribbean enough or too Asian enough, um, Mm. didn't really fit in. So internally, it was just a lot of wrestling um, that was taking place. And, you know, some years later, where I realized that God, I was realizing through a dream that God is a really, he's really a personal God. So that was really just a turning point for me to see that, okay, you know, maybe I can start a relationship with him. Yeah. Just like realizing like God is important and like real in your life and that he wants a connection with you. I think that's so important, especially even if God's in your household, you still have to make that faith your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause even how God came into my life, um, I was having, it was one evening where I was just really a bit bothered about some things and so I called a friend of mine who I usually would get my my weed from, called him, we smoked, got high, and we ended up becoming sexually active with one another. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't necessarily the plan. And because that happened, I was just really bothered by that. I was really disappointed with myself that, you know, Kizia, gosh, it's another person. Like, what are you doing? And some time later during the day, I, I knew I had to go to work. So I went to work 
and I ended up taking a nap <laughs> because I knew no one was coming into the pool. So I was like, I was a lifeguard at that time. I was like, okay, let me just take a, a quick nap because I'm tired from the mm-hmm. night before. Just I need a quick nap. So I took a nap and I saw myself getting rebaptized. So mm. that was just crazy to me because like I had mentioned years before in my teens, I did get baptized, but it was nothing really. Fast yeah. forward, maybe about eight, nine years later, I'm having a dream after just feeling so disappointed with myself. And it's a dream of me getting rebaptized. And I just remembered waking up singing a song called God Is. So within the lyrics of this song, it talks about how God is the joy and the strength of my life. He mm. removes all pain, misery, and strife. I want to go with him when he comes back. And so there was this desire of like, oh, like if when Jesus comes back, I, I, I want to go with him now. Like this has never been a desire of mine, but all of a sudden now it's like I, I desire a relationship with him. Mm. And at that time, that's when I realized, you know, I could, I'll stop the smoking, the drinking, the partying. But when it came to the sexuality aspect, the being bisexual and the porn, the masturbation, I didn't really think that God was powerful enough to mm-hmm. stop that. And that really played a, played a major role because that's when the double life was now really becoming more evident. I realized because, you know, I started going to church more frequently, not for friends but for God, for a relationship with God. But then when I would leave church, you know, I'm still doing other things in regards to the sexuality aspect, right? Mm -hmm. And a a good chunk of that was because the services or the messages I would hear sometimes, it wasn't necessarily speaking of victory over sin, or I wasn't hearing testimonies of people who overcame the porn or the masturbation or the same sex attraction. It was typically hearing testimonies on like, you know, God just paid my rent. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's God could just pay. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, going to church, I would go to like prayer meetings and I would just hear so many things of like, oh, God paid this and that. And I'm just like, okay, like, that's all he can do. He seems kind of limited. You know, yeah. God seeming more like an ATM than someone who could like personally like change your life. Yeah. So over time, it wasn't until like some years later from that dream when I had gone on a mission trip uh, where I had met Mike, that's when I was then realizing like there's more to God than just Mm. provision. Right. So it took me some time to really to see that and to know that it's true. It's real. Mm -hmm. Which it's, it's kind of sad. Like, you know, the church is great and it's an amazing place. And I love those testimonies, you know, like God paid my rent. Like, that's awesome. But like, we need to talk about something more. Like we need to talk about these subjects of, you know, pornography, masturbation, suicide, depression. Cause like, these are something we all struggle with, you know, like I struggled with depression. And so like, even growing up in the church and like you had your own struggles and like, it's important that we talk about that. Cause like you're saying, when you can see, Oh God gave me victory. It's like, wow, God can give Mm -hmm. me victory too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, from 
the time in Cuba. So there was a relationship I was in. It was, it was unhealthy. I knew it was toxic, but Mm -hmm. I was just too weak to break it off. So eventually when that relationship came to an end, I was really eager to do better with my singleness. So it came to a point where I was like, God, like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm feeling suicidal again. Mm. And I remember I randomly came across a sermon from Doug Batchelor, and he was just mentioning that if you're feeling suicidal, think about living your life one more year. And so for me, I'm just like, okay, just one more year. Like that seems manageable because at that time I was also working with um, a corporate company and they were really big on, and typically this is what you have in like corporate companies. They're just like, you know, what's your vision? What's your five-year plan, your 10-year plan? And it makes sense. But I was realizing that for me personally, I was struggling even to just make it just for the day, for the next hour. And Mm. so when Bachelor had mentioned, you know, what if you just live your life one more year? For me, I was like, okay, if my life doesn't get better in the next year, I could always end it. Like that was literally my plan. And I was just like, okay, God, we've got one year to like get it together. And even with the company I was working with, they had a, a motto of, of continual imp- improvement that we mm. are the best you know, we are the top within our field. And because I would hear that constantly at work, I was just like, why is it that in my own personal walk with God, why am I not improving? Why am I Mm. not better than when I started? And this was like maybe five, six years from the time the dream happened. And Mm. so there was just a, a, a desire to do better and wanting just pretty much what God wanted for me. So I realized I had to be really intentional the following year. And that allowed me to go on a mission trip in Cuba. And I was still living my my double life, my born masturbation, all of that. And mm-hmm. during this time on the Cuba trip, we would have our morning devotions. And I realized specifically, there were some things, for example, that Mike would share or other people would share and deep down, it was really just, what's the word, um, kind of just pricking my heart. And mm-hmm. I knew that God was trying to make me aware that there is a better way. And it wasn't until one point where Mike had mentioned that porn for him was his best friend. And that anytime he felt lonely, tired, or bored, he would turn to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, immediately, it was just like, wait. I didn't know that other people struggled with porn and I didn't realize that porn is my best friend. (laughs) So it was such an eye opener for me at that time where I was just realizing that, you know, God was calling me higher, but I needed to be willing to go on that journey with him. And I had remembered also, there was a time where a person within that same moment, that same morning devotion we were having, uh, someone else had mentioned that anytime we hold on to our sins, God is unable to bring our blessings to us because of that sin. Mm -hmm. And immediately for me, I just knew that I desired to have a, you know, quote unquote, godly marriage, but I still wanted to bring in other partners within that marriage. 
And I'm just like, you know, Kizia, what nonsense is this, you know, that you're trying to have God bless, you know, God can't bless that. And so when that had occurred within uh, Cuba, uh, there were other series of events that occurred. um, But that was really the catalyst for me to see that, wow, this is possible um, for me to overcome but it's going to be a process, but I was just really desperate for help at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like sometimes we need that help of other humans and like, that's the beauty of like God. He's like such a relational God and he made us relational beings. And like, so sometimes like we need those fellow Christians, those other people that have struggled as well to come alongside us and help teach us and help, you know, show us the way and that, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. There sure is. Yeah. So go to Cuba. You hear from Mike about this and like learning that, Hey, you know, like I'm taking this pornography into my relationship with God, realizing other people struggle with that. So what was, what, what, what happened from there? So within Cuba, there was, you know, we had the morning devotion. I could see that God was speaking to me and the following day, because I knew I had to leave a few days early from that trip. And so it, it just felt like God was just applying pressure to make sure like, he's going open your eyes. You're not going, you're not leaving this place the same that you came. Mm-hmm. And so things were just happening rapidly where, you know, that Tuesday morning we were having, you know, that morning devotion, those thoughts occurred. The following day, I remember we were preparing to have our church service in the evening. And during the afternoon, we were just like, just getting ready with the team and a person had came into the church and had asked for had the the person had mentioned that they were demon possessed so immediately i'm just like okay hey do you want prayer and the person was like no (laughs) but of course in our minds we're like okay no problem okay but you know still you'll pray for the person Mm -hmm. and later on that day same day a few hours later we're getting ready for our our actual service. And there was this one lady that I knew something was off with her. And I had asked her like what was wrong. And she was just saying that she's demon possessed. So we had like our Spanish translator and I knew something was off because like her eyes, it's just, it was, you could tell when someone looks normal and there's Mm -hmm. some, there's something different about someone who's demon possessed. And so when that happened, she had asked for prayer and my heart was racing because I was just like, you don't want me to pray for you. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm so nervous. Um, but either way, I, I said, all right, we'll pray. I had my Spanish translator. I had prayed for her and immediately within my mind, God is just like, you know, how are you trying to cast out demons when you yourself love these demons? And there were mm. verses that were coming to mind in regards to casting out demons. God has given us power to triumph over the serpent, the snake. But it was just like, I, I knew that demons had the ability to entertain with one another. And I felt like a clown trying to pray this, but I knew what I loved deep down. And even when I opened my eyes, I realized that she never closed her eyes. Like she never blinked. Her eyes were just on me. And I was just telling myself, just calm down. Don't look nervous. And <laughs> either way, that was just an eye opener. Following night, um, I was preparing for, I was preparing to speak and I knew I had to share on the sanctuary. And typically when 
you present, you usually, you know, you go through your, what your theme was on your topic. And then by the last maybe 10, five minutes, you'll do a brief wrap, wrap up of everything. And when I was doing that wrap up, because I had my translator there, I had moments to, you know, you pause because the translator is speaking in Spanish. I speak in English. So there's this, this alternating time of speaking as he translates. And when that was happening, as I was wrapping up everything, God was just revealing to me, you know, Kizia, this is what I desire to do for you. I desire to restore you back to my image through the sanctuary. And because my background is construction-based, I'm going to school right now for architecture, I was realizing how detailed God was, that God is a God of order. He's into, you know, he was so detailed when it came into the dimensions of the space, the colors of the space, the materials. And he was doing all of this simply so that we could be restored back to his image. And likewise, even for myself now to see the opportunity to offer up my sins to him and to see what he desires to do with that, um, to wash me and to allow me to look like him. I said, you know what, Kezia, it's time for you to let it go. And through that process within Cuba, um, God was just showing me that it's going to be a process, just as you see within the sanctuary, um, the systems that they had in place. Likewise, with me in regards to overcoming um, the porn and masturbation, I didn't realize how long it was going to take. But <laughs> to know the process where I was now willing to surrender it, because before I generally wasn't really interested or really thought that it was possible to be free from. Um, so after Cuba, it just really took me on a place where I became serious with my relationship with God, where I was actually saying, okay, we should have devotions now, Kezia. We should actually know who God is. Mm. Uh, let's be intentional with our devotional life. So there was that aspect and also learning to have a community because I grew up as an only child. I love isolating. <laughs> I love being by myself. That played a big role into, you know, why, you know, I was so addicted to the porn and the masturbation was because of the isolation, mm-hmm. you know, addiction breeds in isolation. Uh, so I had to learn the value of community, um, having accountability. Uh, so th- these were things that took time several months, several years of me just learning that to not give up. That was this this very simple thing was just to not give up. Um, But over time, I was just realizing that it was possible. Mm. Amen. Because it is. And like, I can't remember if I've heard Mike say this or what it was, but you know, you didn't get yourself into that mess and into those problems and issues in one day. So it's not going to be a one day fix. You're going to get out of it. It's going to be a process and it's okay. You know, if you stumble and you mess up because you're learning and you're growing, you're just like a baby. Like we don't yell at babies when they fall down, you know, we're just like, okay, you can keep walking. And so we shouldn't expect that perfection out of us when we're just babies in Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was something I really had to understand. And the biggest thing, number one, was to understand God's character, how he's a God that 
wants us to confess our sins to him. So like first John one nine speaks of that. So as like over time, as I was getting more intentional with my walk with God, where I was learning the verses where it wasn't no longer just a one-time check-in going to church. It was more of, okay, he's yeah, let's show up in the morning. Let's be intentional. Um, if we're really trying to get rid of this, right. And mm-hmm. so number one was to learn his character. And at that time, the church I was going to, they were starting off the year with, I believe it was the conflict of the ages series and reading the Bible at the same time. Yeah. So that was really helpful for me to just simply understand his character. So I would read through a little bit of either it was like desire of ages or acts of the apostles. So there were those within those five books of the conflict of the ages series, there's also um, the Bible. So reading a little bit of each. And as I was reading through it, we would also journal. So mm-hmm. that was really helpful for me to see that, okay, let me journal, write my thoughts out. Cause I'm usually, I'm not really a person who journals um, because you remember when I would mention like, you know, the sexual addiction, the porn, the masturbation, all of this is being internalized. I didn't really mm-hmm. have healthy outlets of learning the value of journaling, you know, something so simple as journaling. Um, so as I would take the time out within my devotional life, just to really understand who God is and who he's created me to be. I saw that my identity was now changing and I could no longer have it associated with people or rather Mm. where my value came from. And one of the, my biggest like favorite verses I had to come to value was Proverbs 24, 16, where it talks about for a just man falls seven times and rises up again. Hmm. And I really had to commit that to memory because sometimes when you would go to church, you would hear things from people who are just like, Jesus is coming back. You're not free yet. Like you're going to hell. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm struggling. Like, please bear with me. Like, like I'm trying, like I really am. But you know, just, there are some people who are just so zealous for God and I understand, but as Mike had mentioned, right? You didn't get into this just like overnight, right? This was something of like 20 plus years of being in this behavior. And it would be silly of me to think that in two seconds, it's all done, right? Mm-hmm. Because emotionally, what my mind has now connected, right? The chemical releases that are now connected to my mind, where it's like, anytime I'm stressed out, I'm angry, whatever, you know, so there was a lot of learning I had to do and a lot of unlearning I had to do um, because, you know, what is it? Romans 12, two talks about to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So my mind, there was a lot of transforming that was taking place, but I had to be really patient with myself and understanding the process of becoming wasn't just overnight. Mm -hmm, For sure. And it's like, like going back to the analogies that even Jesus used, you know, like you're being born again. But like, unfortunately, like part of that being born again, though, you know, Jesus wipes our slate clean. We still have, like you're saying, like those neural pathways and those chemical pathways in our brains where we've taught ourselves where we go to when we're stressed. And like, these are our coping mechanisms. And unfortunately, like you're saying, oftentimes they're not healthy. And so it's like relearning and like regrowing. And it's like this process and like, it's slow, but it's also beautiful because like mm. God doesn't rip away our security blanket right away because unfortunately, like, you know, pornography and things like that, they can be our security blankets, but God's like, mm-hmm. okay, this isn't good for you. And like, this is killing you, you know, emotionally inside and like spiritually, 
but I'm going to work with you through a process so that by the time we're done, you won't even want that anymore because you'll be so connected with me and I will be your new security blanket. Yeah. I mean, even as you're mentioning that with the security blanket, that was something I really had to realize that that is who God is, that he is my comforter in all pain, um, in all grief. Um, last year, my dad had passed away and that was so difficult. Um, and even still now, just trying to manage everything that comes with grief um, because it just felt like there were, it, it felt like things were still undone between him and I, but mm. having to recognize as it says in Psalms that God's ways are righteous. And so there's this aspect of me where I realized that had I not started my journey with God a few years ago in regards to the addiction aspect, um, where I learned of him as my comforter, then I know right now I more than likely would not be here um, mm. because it's, it's so difficult when there's a magnitude of pain that nothing on this earth can truly make you feel better, right? Because I, I knew for me that what my go-to was in the sense of like, oh, if I'm stressed out, I would go to porn. Like, you know, a lot of the, my sexual addictions, I realized it was tied to my parents' divorce. When I started going through my, my recovery, I was realizing like, you know, why I was still holding on to it was because I was still mad about the divorce. And mm. it was like 14 years later, I realized that I was still mad at my mom and dad that they got a divorce. And I was just like, wow, this is, I didn't know I was still mad, but this is my anger was what was fueling my behavior. And because I, I didn't really learn how to express my emotions, you know, fast forward now with my dad passing, um, it's been so difficult, but I've been learning or rather I've learned the value of expressing my emotions, right? Learning mm -hmm. to have healthy coping mechanisms, right? Because before, if someone was like, oh, Kizzy, just go for a walk, a nature walk, I'd be like, why? Like, <laughs> I just go watch porn. But now it's like, okay, let me go take a walk. Let me go in nature. Let me listen to the birds sing. Uh, let me just make my walk a prayer walk. Let it be a gratitude walk. So there are so many things that I've implemented over these past few years where now it's like, okay, praise God that I have learned of him as my comforter and not even just as my comforter, but also learned of God as my father. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, it's, it's a time where I didn't think would happen so soon. And, you know, of course there are, you know, there are so many questions I still have, but having to realize, you know, there's a, there's a God on this universe that knows a lot more than I do. I remember even in the story of Job, when Job was going through his afflictions and he was asking God all these things and God asks him like, you know, but were you there when I, I set up the foundation of the earth? And I was just, so I was, you know, when I was going through the, the very early stages of grief and, you know, I'm reading it, I'm crying and I'm just like, God, no, I wasn't there. Um, but having to understand that this is why, God desires for us to let go of things that are slowly killing us. Mm -hmm. um, because even as I mentioned with, with the drinking, smoking, 
Um, had I not let go of those things a few years ago, I know that right now that would be the way in which I would cope with everything. Mm -hmm. That would be how, like how much I really just want to numb myself and not think. But I realized over time to not overwhelm myself with, you know, the next 50, 10 years, whatever, but really just taking it moment by moment. And so I, I appreciate God, how he is, like how he desires our relationship with him to just be moment by moment and to mm -hmm. not be so consumed with, you know, the next steps, but really just understanding the value of now. Mm. Amen. Cause like all those coping mechanisms, like they're so powerful, but like they're just numbing pain and you're just numbing yourself and you're mm -hmm. not really fixing the root of the problem. You're just setting yourself up to keep having more deep rooted, like anger or emotions going on. And like the beautiful thing about God is like after he strips away all of these coping mechanisms, then he can start dealing with like the root of what's going on because like mm -hmm. no amount of drinking or pornography or sexual. Yeah. Um, yes, that one. Thank you. Um, he's going to fix the pain you're feeling deep inside. It's never going to fix it. It's just a way of like numbing and shutting off your emotions. But just because like you shut off those emotions and you're ignoring them it doesn't fix what's going on under the surface and like that's where like the beauty of god coming in and like letting him be in those moments and letting him be our comforter and our healer that's where it's truly beautiful because he can dig out the root of the issue he can pull it out and so that way there's no need for all of these coping mechanisms because he's dealt with the root of the condition and just like when you pull a weed out by its roots it's not going to come back because mm -hmm. You've destroyed all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really where I've had to learn that that's how the journey is, you know, really getting to the root of things. And then from there, understanding, okay, just because this may have happened at childhood, um, it doesn't mean that you're going to be like this for the rest of your life. Right. Mm -hmm. um, even now, um, being that I am with coming out ministries, one of the verses that comes to mind is like Luke. 2232. And it talks about that when Jesus was telling his disciples that, you know, when I've prayed for you, that I've, Jesus tells us that he prays for us, that our faith fails not. And that mm. when we are converted, strengthen thy brethren. So I realized that there's this responsibility um, we all have when we experience that conversion with God, even to backtrack to Cuba, just that aspect when you know, Mike said such a simple statement and a few other people were saying simple things, right? I didn't realize how, how much I needed that strength for me mm. to then come to this space now where it's like, okay, conversion has now taken place. It's still happening. There's still other things that God is working on within my life. But then he's also granted me the opportunity um, to journey with others, which has been really humbling when you come across so many different stories and how God desires to work with us. And it's really just humbling just to see how intimate God desires to be with each one of us. Mm -hmm. No, it, it's amazing. Um, I was reading, I think it's like somewhere in first Corinthians and it's like talking about like the relationship. No, it's talking about like sexual relationships gone awry. And I can't remember the exact verse, but 
it was talking about God and our connection with him. And then I started realizing, you know, like God wants to have like a close relationship with us as if we were having a sexual relationship with someone. And it's not, you're not having a sexual relationship with God, get that out of your head, but that's supposed to be the intimacy. That's the relationship that God wants to have with you. One where he can like fully see you and fully know you and all of your thoughts and intentions and your heart, because like, unfortunately like that's sometimes what like sex can get mixed up in with like is the sex sense of intimacy and sometimes like it's a false sense of intimacy but like god wants that true sense of intimacy and that true deep relationship so that way he can speak into those moments and he can heal us and that way you know he can prepare us to go to heaven and fix all of that brokenness inside of us and it's it is a work of a lifetime it takes time and cultivation and and work but like that's the beauty because it's a slow deepening relationship it's one of healthy it's not like toxic where you're like oh i'm gonna jump into this relationship head first and oh my those relationships end up being so toxic in the end but like god wants time to get to know you and so that way you can develop trust and respect for one another and like that's what a healthy relationship is which makes sense because god is love so he would know what a healthy love and a healthy relationship would look like. Amen. Yes. Anyway, thank you, Kezia, for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Um, I have very fortunately have never struggled with um, sexual addiction and things like that, but I have definitely struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts. And when you were talking about like a root of a lot of those issues for you, even though it was brought out different and more like of a sexual addiction issue, it very much spoke to me because I could relate with those aspects of depression and the ways that we numb our pains. And though I might not turn to pornography or masturbation, the things that I turn to are the exact same for the exact same goal. And just mm-hmm. like realizing that like, you know, maybe these aren't, you know, like as sinful in the eyes of the church or outlandish, but there's still an issue because it's what's, creating a barrier between me and my relationship with God. And that's just so cool to see that even though the sin and even though like the struggle might be a little bit different, like the same principle apply and like, because God's doing the same work in all of us, even though our sin is different and some people's sin may look worse in the eyes of a human, it all is the same in the eyes of God. Cause you know, it's James two ten that talks about, you know, if you broke one of the commandments, you have broken them all this one doesn't matter to God. It's the breaking of that relationship. And he wants to bring us back into his love and back into that relationship and say, you are my child. And I want to heal you of all this pain. And he's just waiting for those opportunities to speak to us. And so, yeah, I loved your testimony. That's so beautiful. And I hadn't heard it before. So that was exciting. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for sharing. And it's, it's just a good perspective and one unfortunately we haven't had a lot before so I'm so glad that you shared and yeah thank you all right everybody um tune in next week to hear Kylie recording somebody else bye if you've enjoyed today's episode don't forget to follow share like and review also you can contact us at our Facebook page that is God is real God is good podcast or you can email us at God is real, God is good podcast at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.